Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with killer songs from the past, a lovely set-down with some tasty snacks, a quick PSA announcement, an update on new features for the podcast, and a breakdown of a movie franchise that is much better than I thought. My name is Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. So this week we go back to form. We are not doing any, you know, long-winded travel diary things this time around. Now we've got a lot of great little quick segments spread throughout the entire podcast. I talk about some Harry Potter stuff. I got new songs of the week. I talk about a new cookie recipe I made. Oh, I talk about all sorts of stuff. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. And we wrap it all up today with me looking back on a series of movies that I only saw in theaters, but recently gave them another shot, and they have aged pretty dang well, I gotta admit. But that's enough chitter-chatter out of me. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So this week, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping stuff, because it's been a while since I've given updates on the website and the Patreon and stuff like that, so I thought I'd take a second here at the start of the episode to just cover a couple of things that have changed in recent weeks that you might be interested in keeping abreast upon. Uh, This past Saturday on the 20th, I held the third Patreon live stream. Uh, To watch the Patreon live stream, all you need to do is be a $5 supporter on the Going Up Cast Patreon, link of which can be found on thegoingupcast.com or just search Patreon slash goingupcast. You'll find it. I promise you that. And uh, this past Saturday, I decided to do a combination of a couple of things. We checked out the Halloween content in World of Warcraft and Overwatch. I wanted to play some spooky games, but I couldn't quite figure out how to rig them up. So, you know, it's all trial and testing and trying to figure out things. But I feel like I've gotten the hang of streaming a couple of games on on this uh whole deal so far so I'm very excited about that and next time around will be deep in November similar to this month I will be in Las Vegas for a very large portion of November so let's see when we can actually hold such an event my guess would be the 24th of November it looks like the final Saturday because I'm flying out two of those Saturdays like I'm going to you know Flying out on like the 10th probably. I'll be in Vegas on the 17th. So looks like, although actually I take that back. Hang on a second because I have a new schedule at work starting on November 5th, which actually means I'll be working on Saturdays. So we might have to move the stream to Sunday, which in that case would mean it would most likely be the 25th of November would be the next stream. Saturday that or the 4th. But that's only like three weeks away, so um, I feel like that's too soon between streams. So let's shoot for the 25th of November. I'm going to write that down on a little note here so I don't forget. Uh, but that will be the next date for the Patreon live stream. So if you become a $5 supporter for the Patreon before the 25th of November, you can watch the next uh, Patreon live stream, which will probably be pretty holiday related because Thanksgiving will be right around then. And, you know, the holidays will be basically right upon us at that time. So, 25th of November is the next Patreon live stream. And I thought it went pretty well. I enjoy these Patreon live streams a bunch. And they're a ton of fun. So, make sure you support the Patreon live... Patreon. So, you can watch the Patreon live stream. I keep saying Patreon live stream. And I can't separate Patreon from the word live stream. Anyway, so that's one thing I wanted to talk about. The second thing I wanted to bring to your attention was I wanted to increase the ability for 
you to leave uh, feedback and comments and stuff like that a bit more uh, a bit more readily. And I was po uh, poking around on the Squarespace site, you know, and I found the ability to allow for comments at the bottom of every episode of the Going Upcast. So I have now done that. So each Tuesday when an episode goes live, if you go to goingcast.com and click on the actual episode you're listening to, like click on the post of it, you'll be able to leave comments on that episode um, as much as you want and they'll never go away. So I think that'll be great in terms of uh, kind of a running dialogue, help start building that community that I think will really drive us to that next stage of being an awesome podcast. So I'm very excited about this. I'm eager to read your comments. I was looking to have like a forum on the website, but uh, I would have to probably get a forum from somewhere else and just host it on the site. So for right now, I think the comments will, uh, will suffice for the time being. I believe you can reply to other people's comments. So there should be like chains, you know, that can build from this development, but you can go back and add comments to all previous episodes. And from this episode onward, each episode will be uploaded right away with the ability to comment on it. That's just like a setting I turn on when I upload the episode. So that is basically everything that's changed with the website for right now. Um, I keep my eyes peeled for any like new features or anything like that I can add to the website. Like I know for a fact that um, I have the ability to put up like a digital store where you can buy like t-shirts and stuff through this website. I don't think I'm there yet <laughs> um, in terms of making all that happen. So I haven't obviously, but that will be something way down the road if uh, if the desire for such items becomes, uh, becomes apparent, becomes desired. I guess the desire for these items is desired by the greater audience beyond just myself who wants to wear his own t-shirts. But I believe that is it for the housekeeping stuff. Everything else is going just gravy. It's going just grand. All the Las Vegas pictures are up on the blog that you can uh, take a look at right now. And I also have a post for something I'm going to talk about right now in the next thing in the podcast. Y'all may remember from a little while ago the Sizzle It Up with Taco box from the Adventure Zone lads that I had gotten through the mail, um, it was like the taco school of magic, you know, that whole thing. Um, the sizzle it up a taco box came with some recipes and I decided to finally take my, uh, take a swing, you know, take a chance, give it a whirl of the butter cookies recipe from the sizzle it up with taco box. Mostly because this allowed me to use the cookie cutters, which I'll be honest, I, I just wanted to use the cookie cutters. And so I decided to use their recipe. Um, it was a lot of butter. I think it was like a cup of butter in this dough and you have to chill it so the butter just doesn't melt out when you put it in the oven to bake. But you roll it out and you get the cookies out and you bake them. Uh, they take a surprisingly short amount of time to bake. I think it was like 15 minutes for each cookie. It was very, very quick bake time. And they are quite delicious. Um, I enjoy the fact that they are long lasting. Uh, I think I baked them like a week ago and they taste just as good now as they did back then. Um, they are basically shortbread, which is awesome. I love shortbread. And, you know, the cookie cutters worked like a dream. Uh, you can see a picture of the final cookies on the website, like I said. And I think I think they turned out pretty good. I didn't decorate them. Um, I thought about frosting them, but I felt like the base cookie was tasty enough that it didn't need frosting. And also, you know, I'm trying to be fit and eat healthier and stuff like that. And the last thing I needed was just a box of frosted and decorated shortbread cookies. So I, I res 
restrained myself from doing such a thing. Uh, but they are very good. I'm eager to try out the rest of these recipes, and I'm sure I will get around to it at some point. But for now, you know, the butter cookies, would recommend. I would recommend the butter cookies. Solid, solid stuff. But if you just make shortbread or just buy some shortbread, you'll get the idea of what these cookies taste like. No problem. But, you know, I just wanted to let you guys know. Recipe, solid. I got seven more to try out. Really three more, but the uh, the other four are the vegan or gluten-free equivalent recipes for the three on the, or the four on the other side. So it's like butter cookies. I think I can make like vegan sugar cookies is the other side with vegan butter. I don't know what the fuck that is. And I'm terrified to find out. So I'm probably not going to make those. So yeah, you can always experiment on your own and let me know what the hell vegan butter is. That'd be spectacular. If you have any recipes that you like to make, bake, stir, craft grill um crock pot i don't know microwave let me know i go imcast.com or email me at goingcast at gmail.com i do love cooking i it's one of my it's one of my favorite things in this world is to cook man wouldn't it be cool if we could get like a going upcast like cookbook you know recipes to make you feel good you know where we don't concern ourselves with things like calories or trans fats just like here's a here's a cookbook of amazing tasty food some of it's healthy, some of it's not. Here's a good little mixture. It's just, it's all good. It's all delicious. And, you know, naturally we'll have things like, well, if you can't eat dairy with this recipe, here's a good substitution. That kind of stuff. Because as much fun as it is to make a, like a sin-free cookbook, it's also nice to make a cookbook that we can all use. So, I naturally recognize that 110%. So, I think that'd be fun. I'm going to make a little note here right now on my, on my very rapidly growing what the fuck is on my pen it's like some dog hair and shit get off make a cookbook i think that'd be fun i don't know how difficult that would be probably just assembling a shit ton of recipes so i can think of a couple off the top of my head i don't know maybe i'll make it an e cookbook that'll make it a lot easier and proceeds go to charity or something i don't know we'll figure it out that'd be a lot of fun anyway let's move on to the next thing in the podcast So I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little 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 serious. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try to do this correctly. Um, I don't like to bring politics into the realm of most things I do because I feel like it can be instantly divisive. You know, people on this side and people on that side, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you support this? Well, now I'm never gonna support you again. That sort of thing. And this I'm not here now to tell you what side I'm on. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what you should believe or who you should trust or anything like that. You know, these are the sorts of decisions that you'll make on your own. That's just kind of how the world works. But um, I will use this time to briefly encourage you all to vote. It's it's ludicrously important. And naturally, I'm really just talking to the people of America. Uh, but those of you in the grander countries of the beyond in the international scope, Naturally, I encourage you to likewise be involved in your local politics, in your country's governmental structure as much as you can be, you know. It's super important for us to speak when the chance to have our voices heard comes around. And at least in America, it doesn't come around very often. You can call your senators and your representatives all you want, but if you really want to make a difference, you do it with your vote. You do it every midterm and you do it every presidential run in November. That's that's our time to speak. 
And whichever way you decide to put your pen to paper this midterm election, that's your decision. But just do it. Like, that's that's what really matters. I don't, you know, me personally, sure, I care which way you vote. But I'm not going to tell you which way to vote. All I care is that you do vote. You know? And the fact that your voice is just as important as mine or as anybody else's when it comes to these sorts of things. And we all need to have the opportunity to make sure that we stood up and went, Hey, I voted. That gives me the right to complain when shit doesn't go my way. The people who don't vote can't say shit because they had the opportunity to say something and then they chose not to do it. You can't complain later about it. You know what? Because who knows? You might have been able, you might have been the one to make the difference had you voted. And then, you know, you wouldn't have to complain. That's my comedic view on the matter. Voting's super important and I encourage you all to do it. That's basically what I'm, what I'm driving at. And honestly, that's that's all I want to say. I don't want this to go on any longer. Just go vote. Vote. It's super important. Everybody needs to do it. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. This week's songs of the week are two pretty old songs. Pretty old. Wow, did they come out the same year? Checking. Checking. No. Very close, though. Very close, which is always fun to, for me when I take two songs from two pretty different realms of the musical genres that were released pretty closely together. I think that's pretty interesting. Anyway, the first song, which is the cover song for this week, uh, comes to us from one of the most prolific singer-songwriters of all time, Mr. James Taylor. That's right. It is Sweet Baby James off the album of the same name, released in February of 1970. Sweet Baby James is just this beautiful song that kind of, in my head at least, um, depicts a young cowboy who lives on a range where his horse and his saddle are his only companions, um, which is the first line of the song. It it does paint a picture of, you know, a cowboy out on the American West um, around the bonfire just looking up at the stars. That's what I picture when I listen to the song, and it's probably because that's exactly what's described in the song. James Taylor had this amazing ability, still does, of crafting these incredibly vivid lyrics. You know, you can so easily picture everything he's singing about. It's, it is truly spectacular listening to James Taylor. And I maintain, aggressively so, that nobody doesn't like James Taylor. I've, I've met one person who didn't like James Taylor, and then I never spoke to them again. James Taylor is so, like good at what he does you can't you can't not respect the quality of his music it is it is just that good james taylor is is awesome and if you haven't listened to james taylor before just look up james taylor live like in parentheses i think that's just the name of the album it's like a two disc live album just listen to that listen to this dude just weave these incredible tapestries with his words like nobody else really could anyway let's listen to my cover of uh sweet baby james as the moon rises, he sits by his fire Just thinking about women in glasses of beer Closing his eyes as the doggies retire He sings out a song which is soft but it's clear As if maybe someone could hear Good night, you moonlight lady Ragabye, sweet baby James Deep greens and blues are the colors I choose 
Won't you let me go down in my dreams Rock it by sweet baby James What blows my mind is that sweet baby James is only like a th It's like 30 minutes long Yet it is, according to this Wikipedia article It is the 103rd best album of all time According to Rolling Stones magazine's 500 greatest albums of all time It's a half hour album this dude was in like the, he's in the top 500 <laughs> with half an hour of music. That's, you know, that is certainly something. And I, I hate to kind of compare music, you know, it's like Sweet Baby James is such an incredible song, but it just can't compete. And he couldn't compete with Led Zeppelin, who is the next band we're going to talk about in this episode of the Going Up cast, because this particular song contains... My all-time favorite guitar solo. Out of any song I've ever heard, this one just shoots right up my spine. And it just... You know when you really feel music and your body just kind of starts to move on its own without you really knowing what's happening? My... I oh, just It just vibrates through you. And I can't help but crank the volume every time this guitar solo hits and whole lot of love, which is the song of the week. In fact, when I used to do radio back in college and I played a whole lot of love... I would turn it up across the airwaves when the solo hit. I would just make it louder. Um, we had, you know, we had faders and um, the air quotes proper listening volume. So you wouldn't blow out car speakers was like zero on this little fader. But I think it went up to like nine or it was like three, six, nine. It went in like intervals. Um, and then obviously it had a bunch of stuff going down. So you could fade out of songs and fade into songs. But when this song hit, every time I played it on my show, the second um, that solo begins, you know, almost all the way through the song, I would just quietly increase the music throughout that whole buildup, and then the solo hits. And I think a couple of times I just straight up maxed it out. So the needle wasn't like dipping into the red, the needle was sitting in the red. And it was just like, listen to this solo, it's incredible. Gotta love it. Whole lot of love off Led Zeppelin 2 released November 7th, 1969. These two albums came out like four months apart. That blows my mind. God, what a time for music. Led Zeppelin 2 hits, and then Sweet Baby James comes out in February. Ugh. Good stuff. And since I gave you a needless stat for Sweet Baby James, here's the needless stat for Whole Lot of Love. In 2004, the song was ranked number 75 on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. So there you go. 75 on the 500. 103 on the 500. Rolling Stones. I don't, I don't read it. I don't read that magazine anymore. My brother used to a long time ago. Um, back when people used to read magazines. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. If you have a song that you want me to ramble confusedly about for an extended period of time here on the Goamcast, well, there's a bunch of different ways you can let me know what song that is. Number one, you can reach out at the contact page on Goamcast.com. Number two, you can email me at Goamcast at gmail.com. And number three, well, actually, this is, this is the non-funny one. You can also cover a song like I do every week. You can cover a song, send it in at growingupcast.gmail.com and I'll play right here on the podcast. Gotta think, you know, I am so excited for the first person. First person, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shut up about the first person ever, you know, be like, you know, you can be like so-and-so who sent in the very first, very first cover. You could be that person. It could be you. You right here in the right now, unless you're listening to this like three years from now, in which case it was probably somebody else. But if it wasn't in three years from now, I'm gonna be really sad. So make sure it's you. That's right, I'm talking to you. Right there on the chair. 
not doing the work you're supposed to be doing because you're distracted by the dreams and the wonder of what it would happen if you were the one to send in the cover. Not all these other people. No, no, no. You. You send in that cover of Funky Town or whatever. Whatever whatever song you want to cover. I personally do not care. I just, I just want to hear your lovely voices. Or maybe your bad voices. I don't care. I have no preference. Send it in. Even if you're scared, just do it. It's so much fun. So much fun to record your own music. And, uh, you know, and I think we'll leave it on that heartfelt thing instead of me being funny by saying, you know, you write it in the back of a banana peel and then slip on it um, on the Great Wall of China and then the words will reverberate through the time-space continuum through the planet's core and reach me at uh, my recording studio, which is, quite frankly, absurd. Let's move on to the next thing in podcast. More delectable delicious auditory chapters involving Harry Potter and the whimsical hijinks he gets up to uh, not in school. We're not there yet in book four. We're getting there, but we're not there yet. What these chapters are is we got chapter four, Back to the Burrow. Chapter five, Weasley's Wizard Reeses. And chapter six, The Port Key. There's some good stuff in here. Not only does Harry go back to hang out with the Weasleys for a little while, he also gets spirited away to go to the World Cup. There's a lot of traveling in these chapters. He goes from one place to the next, and then goes from one place to the next. But he doesn't arrive until, like, the next chapter. You'll see what I mean when you listen to this. But this week's highlight comes to us from Chapter 4, Back to the Burrow, where I express my incredible distaste for the ability of the Dursleys to accurately and consistently perform a diet that makes sense. Let's take a listen. Lunch was almost a silent meal. Dudley didn't even protest at the food. Cottage cheese and grated celery. My God. Look, I get it, and I went over this last time, but that is not food. Celery, in particular, is not food. Celery is, like, the the absence of food. It's water encased in green. Like... Like, I like the taste of celery, but, you know, that whole thing about the negative calories, it takes more effort to eat celery than the calories gained from it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true, but it might as well be. Three brand new chapters of Harry Potter land every Wednesday at some time in the evening. Yes. It, it will, f- for, the, for the next little while, you can guarantee that it will be around 8 o'clock-ish. Because I play D&D on Wednesdays, and I usually don't get home until then. So, around 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, these chapters will land. Three brand new chapters every Wednesday. Do enjoy them. And if you haven't listened to the first three books, why, they're up on goingcast.com forward slash audiobook for your listening perusal. I wish there was a way where I could have, like, the episodes kind of chained together, you know? Like, you hit play, and it just kind of flows from one file to the next, so you didn't have to constantly keep going back and hitting play. Um, I have a couple of solutions for it. Like, I could upload, I think, it might be too large, actually, in terms of space. Um, Squarespace has, like, a file limit, so I thought about just, like, linking all the chapters together into one massive um, single file, but I don't think that's going to work out. I'll figure out something. I'll figure out something. I'm sure there's a way. But um, in the meantime... Enjoy these three chapters of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Three more next week. Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. 
Next up, I want to talk real briefly about a brand new show that's hit the airwaves that I am a pretty big fan of because it kind of blends some of my all-time favorite things in this world together, and that would be American Ninja Warrior Jr. What does it blend? Why, it blends cool obstacle courses with children being bad at things. But unfortunately, despite my best hopes, there's a distinct lack of that second thing. Because holy shit, are these kids good at Ninja Warrior? I think I saw one kid, like, fall in the water, and they kept going. Like, it wasn't a DQ like it is in, like, the grown-up version of American Ninja Warrior. That kid got out of the water and kept going and, like, brought it back, like, within an inch of winning the race. So, the way it's structured is that you got the two kids who run side-by-side on the exact same obstacle course, um, but not, like, one obstacle. They each have, like, a lane of obstacles. And so, it's really competitive. Um, And honestly, I think that's worse for the kids. You know what I mean? So, like, if you're just running the course and you fail, it's because the course beat you. You know? It's an equalizing force. It's it's the universal enemy. You know? Oh, you went down to this spot. That's okay. So, did a whole bunch of other people. If you lose American Ninja Warrior Jr., it might not be because the course beat you. It might be because... Somebody else who was directly in competition with you beat you. So you didn't lose to the course. You lost to them. That person right there is the one that beat you. It has a name. It has a face. You can point and be like, they fucked you up. They're the ones that beat you. And depending on what kind of race it is, that could be really unfair. <laughs> like I saw this one race. Kid was like maybe five feet tall. He looked like he was six, you know, real young kid. But I think it was like he was like 12 or something like that. And the person that he was going up against had like a one foot height advantage, had a, like a couple of pounds, was clearly more athletic. I'm like, this isn't fair. And it wasn't. The little kid got his ass completely blown apart on national TV. We all know his name. We all know where he's from. We know he lost and he lost bad. The whole world knows this. That's, to me, this is worse. <laughs> like, picture, if you were the child, okay, and you lost on national TV to somebody else, that could be pretty detrimental to the child. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Would, would, I'd be embarrassed, you know? Go back to school and be like, oh, look, there's Andrew. Andrew fucking got his ass kicked by Timmy from Georgia. How does it feel to lose to Timmy, huh? You fuck. That's what I'd that's what I'd be going up against. Cause apparently in middle school I just went with like the worst people. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess the kids have some sense of what the deal is because they're going on a competitive, you know, sports show. Like they they know what the game is, but you can't truly grasp these types of like you know, adult level thinking and stuff like that. Like these kids will never be able to live that down. It's, it's not like they get a second shot. The way it's structured, I'm just going to really break it down for you. Picture the um uh, March Madness tournament board. So you've got, what is it? It's uh, three teams of two, right? The fucking Joey versus Jimmy, Johnny versus Jackie, and Ben versus Sawyer, right? They all fight it out. And then you got the winner of, of that first uh, round going up against like the, the runner-up from the other round, right? So then you got a 2v2 two two from from those teams. 
and then you got the 1v1, and then the, the winner of that moves on to like the next round. So that's how it breaks down. So what actually happens is that everybody races twice, but it might not be against the same person. Like um, I saw this one person go you know, from the opening round to the secondary round, and they actually made it to like the, the semifinal round. Um, but each round they faced like like the same person. It was like it was like close, but they lost, close, but they lost, close, but they lost. And like not only would it suck to lose once, you know, but getting your ass kicked by the same person multiple times in the show, I think is worse. Cause not because I guess it would be harder to win that fight knowing you've already been beaten by them before, you know? Oh, uh, they already destroyed you in the race. So you're going into the second race against them with the knowledge that you are already 0-1. You know what I mean? So, you know, from the perspective of what it'd be like to be on the show as a child and lose, I think the show is harsher in that way, which... You know, like, I enjoy watching American Ninja Warrior when they give you the heartfelt story and it's like, I'm here for for my grandkids and my my family who have supported me this whole time and I want to do them justice. And then they, they just fucking eat it right out the gate. I love that. I think it's so funny. It's, it's that weird pleasure you get from, like, watching old American Idol auditions when they just could not sing. You know, it's like, ah, this is terrible, but I can't look away. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Um, and when, when the kids go down, you know, they fall in water and they get wet, but they pop up and they got these big smiles on their faces because, you know, they're loving it because let's face it, you're on American Ninja Warrior, of course. But that's not the, the worst part of the show anymore. It's not when the kids fail. It's when the kids lose is, is a much harsher reality than anything I could have ever devised. Um, that being said, it is a fun show. It does hit all those notes that the actual, like, adult American Ninja Warrior hits with the interesting backstories, which are, you know, perfectly designed to make you root for Kid A over Kid B or whatever. You got me, who's picking kids based on just their names because that's what you get first. You don't even know what they look like right out the gate. You see the bracket first, and it's just a list of names. And so I'm like, it's gonna be this person. And then when the race comes around and it turns out that the other kid got the backstory segment for this time slot, you're going to want to root for that kid because you know him more. And then my opinions slip, you know? I'm rooting for Sawyer because I saw his name. And then all of a sudden it looks like Ben was more interesting, so now I'm rooting for Ben. And so when Sawyer wins, I'm like, ah, fuck you, Sawyer! You know, that's, I get really into it, let's be honest. It's, it's just a lot of fun. I've said it before in a lot of different venues, but I think this is the first time I've said it here. Watching people do what they're best at is always interesting. Always. I don't care what they're best at. But when you watch the best of the best be the best at whatever they're the best at, that's awesome. Story time. Back when I went to my very first PAX conference, it was the League of Legends World Championship. I could give two shits about League of Legends. Just don't care. Don't play the game. Don't have any interest. Didn't care. Went, I went to the World Championship because there was a big thing going on at PAX. I felt like I should see it. Being in that crowd, in that energy, surrounded by people who care about what was happening with these teams, and also watching the teams be the best at what they're the best at, it's always cool because they're really good at this thing. They worked really hard to be awesome at that thing. 
you're not really good at that thing. You get to appreciate by living through them being good at a thing. D- does this, you get what I'm saying? Like uh, Iron Chef America, when they're really good at cooking, that's always interesting to watch. Any major league sporting event, when they're really good at it, that's always really cool to watch. The Olympics, when they're amazing at their event and they're amazing at their sport and they kick ass, that's always cool to watch. People being good at things is just good entertainment. End of story. I I love it. So I don't you know even if you're not interested in it personally, it's still interesting to watch. You know. So unless it's like, unless it's like TV baseball, being in the stadium at baseball is fun. Because once again, you're watching people be good at the thing they're good at. But when you're at home watching it, it doesn't have the same effect. Because being there has so much power over it. you. Feel the energy of the crowd. You're drinking the beer. You're right there in the heat of it. You don't have to put up with commercials. You know, those sorts of things. So, you know, make sure make sure you, you stretch your legs out. And if you don't have the ability to watch people be good at a thing, be good at a thing. You know? Do your hobby. Everybody's got one. If you don't have a hobby, boy, how do you need one? Those days will squeak by real slow if you don't have something to occupy them. So, find out what you're the best at. And then just do it and make it so the rest of us can see it because God, I love watching people be the best at things. YouTube compilations of people just being awesome, doing these incredible things. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. What we're all capable of. So also while you're having this, you know, sojourn to determine what you are the best of the best at, take a second and watch American Ninja Warrior Jr. Because you can watch these kids be pretty goddamn incredible. It's not like Chopped Jr. When it's like, I made a pork chop crusted with potato chips with a ketchup slaw sauce and a Coke Zero. And I'm like, that looks terrible. You stupid kid. You don't know what you're doing. These kids are like doing all sorts of crazy things. It's pretty impressive. Um, I just thought of a whole nother aspect of the... Yeah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to real quick talk about it. So one of the biggest things about American Ninja Warrior is the upper body thing. And that's why smaller contestants tend to do better than the bigger contestants because their muscle to weight ratio is more favorable. And that's what kids excel at. Kids are really small, which means they have the ability to do hold themselves up with upper body strength that grown-ups couldn't even dream of. So these kids are actually really impressive at doing some of these upper body obstacle courses because they're treating it like fucking monkey bars because they don't weigh anything. These kids are just flying across this freaking course. It's unreal. Like, I'm doing this whole big new workout thing where one of the things I'm supposed to be doing with my workout is pull-ups. And I am not a thin man. I am, I weigh 200 pounds. I don't have the strength necessary to lift my fat ass off the ground. But these kids are just zipping all over the place. And, you know, I used to be like that when I was a child. My weight to muscle ratio was much more favorable when I was a child than it is now. Um, I'm stronger now than I was as a child. But not when it comes to, like, um, CrossFit uh, theoretical movement, you know. Any, Any activity where your body is the weight for that activity is a challenge for me. Because I have, like, I've gained the muscle in areas not conducive to responding to 200 pounds of weight, if that makes sense. You know, I can do squats and stuff just fine because my legs got stronger, but it's like push-ups or pull-ups. I'm like, oh my god, I am so, I can't do it. It's, oh, it's so much. So, anyway, 
it's just it's a fun show and it's only an hour long unlike the uh the adult version which is like two hours so a lot less faff there's a lot more action in this one um kids just doing it they're just running it out so very very entertaining anywho that's enough american ninja warrior jr for your holes let's move on to the next thing in the podcast That'll wrap up this week. I thought I'd spend a little bit of time talking about one of my favorite things in this world because I just powerhoused my way through the extended editions of what everybody thought was the, naturally, the lesser of the two trilogies. And that would be uh, JK, JK, nope, that's the wrong author, J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth film series. So you got the Lord of the Rings and you got the Hobbits. Now, naturally, I am of the opinion that the Lord of the Rings franchise specifically fellowship to return to the king is the greatest movie trilogy that i personally have seen um that being said i can't think of many just honest trilogies anymore like you can split up star wars into its respective trilogies but it's it really is more of a franchise same with like harry potter and you know all those all those freaking movies so when it comes to like movies one to three and yeah i i believe lord of the rings is is the top tier and I'll be honest, I hadn't seen the Hobbit movies um, since I saw them in theaters, so I was curious. I remember thinking back on the whole Hobbit franchise that A, it should not have been made into three movies, which I maintain is the case. Um, B, they weren't very good, and like the pacing was weird like across the board because it was so like stretched out, and I felt like the movies added a lot of things that weren't like from the Hobbit book, because I have read the book. And I was like, where are they getting all this stuff from? And so, you know, I kind of just discounted that whole franchise, the Hobbit franchise specifically, as like, ah, it's just, it's dumb. It's not great, whatever. And I hadn't seen the extended editions, and I had, apparently, a lot of people haven't seen the extended editions and didn't know there were extended editions. There are extended editions for the Hobbit franchise movies. Uh, The first and last one are like three hours, and then the middle one is like two hours and 45 minutes, so... We're not talking the the long con uh, versions that we get with Lord of the Rings where it's like three and a half hours, three hours and 40 minutes, and then like four and a half hours for the third one. It's insanely long. Anyway, so I watched them all back to back um, on one of my weekend days and like it, I went to like 2 a.m. just watching the Hobbit movies. And it's strange to me that perhaps it's been a long time since I've seen them. But I honestly thought they were pretty good. Not as good as Lord of the Rings, but they are pretty good in their own right. Like, you got some really good action scenes. Visually, it's stunning. The pacing's a lot better in the extended editions because it adds a lot of scenes that I feel like do a lot to develop characters or to explain the story more. Like, in the second movie, Extended, there's this whole big, like, series of scenes where Gandalf finds Thrain, um, Thorin's dad, in Dogledore and explains a whole bunch of shit. Now, I'm going to get into why that's a little weird here in a second, but I'm like, that explains a lot and helps kind of bring things together. Or in the third movie in the battle, if you just saw the theatrical edition, um, like Thorin, Keely, Feely, and Dwalin get on these like cool goats to go chase down Azog. And you don't really see the scene where they get the goats, but in the extended edition, you do. And it's a very long, cool action sequence where they get the goats. So... It kind of fills in some plot gaps for me where it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Oh, it does in the extended and it kind of explains that stuff out. So I did enjoy that a lot. And on the side where I'm like, where are they getting this stuff from? It turns out that none of it was just made up for the movie. 
you know? Everything that was in the Hobbit movies, especially in the extended editions, is from Tolkien's writings. It might not be from the Hobbit, but it's from Tolkien's writings. So I'm talking about they pulled from the Silmarillion, they pulled from the um, unfinished tales, they pulled from the appendices at the end of Return of the King. They pulled from his writings to make this series of movies happen. And that's why we get scenes like the, the Battle for Moria, where um, uh, Thor dies, uh, uh, Thorin's grandfather. And we get things like Azog and Bold, who are characters from the books, they just weren't really in The Hobbit. I think Azog is mentioned one time in chapter one, and then that's it, and he never shows up again. Um, but I, I want to make that clear. If you dive deep enough into the incredible like literature bank that Tolkien has for Middle Earth, everything that is in the Hobbit movies is in there somewhere. So none of it was just made up out of like, oh, let's just fucking make this happen. So there's all of that. This being said, timeline-wise, The Hobbit gets a couple of things kind of strange. Like, in the book, Gandalf gets the map and the key from Thorin's dad, Thrain, when he meets him in Dogledor. The whole Dogledor necromancer stuff happens before the events of the Hobbit book. But in the movies, they happen simultaneously. So he meets Thrain while Thorin is already on the quest to reclaim the Lonely Mountain, when he already has the map and the key. But when Gandalf meets Thrain in Dogledor, that's when he gets the map and the key in the book. So it doesn't explain how he gets the map and the key before the adventures of the movie. That, that doesn't sync up. So it's just presumed that sometime before Thrain went missing, he got the map and the key. Which is fine, but it's, you know, like they had the meet and greet scene. I feel like you could have, you could have worked it in. So timeline wise, it made sense and corresponded correctly with what was in the books. But, you know, that's, that's a pretty nitpicky thing. And it's pretty nerdy. If I'm honest, I'm diving pretty deep and down this, uh, down this rabbit hole. And I don't want to, you know, give you a break by or a play by play recount of the movies. I'll just simply say, if you ever get your chance to watch the extendeds, and if it's been a while, I would encourage you to give them another shot because it really does a lot of things well. Um, I think the Battle for the Five Armies, the extended version, has some of the coolest action sequences I've ever seen. Uh, there are a couple of moments where I just sat up in my chair and went, holy fuck, that was cool. And it's super funny. Um, I will say this. When I watched the movies in the theaters, I was mad that my favorite dwarf, Bomber, the big fat one, never said a word once. He does a lot of cool things, but we never hear him talk. He does talk in the extended versions of movie three. I think he has two lines. So you do hear what Bomber sounds like, um, which I which I loved. I loved Bomber. I thought he was just fun to fun to watch and fun to be around, especially in the barrel scene when he lands on the on the shore and he like explodes out his arms and starts like spinning around fighting all these orcs with like two double-handed weapons. Oh, I loved it. It's very good. Um it you know. It, it grew on me. I'll say the Hobbit movies grew on me. So, but what I think is kind of interesting is I honestly think you appreciate the Hobbit movies more if you watch them after Lord of the Rings. I know it's a prequel designed to lead you into Lord of the Rings and it does sync up in a couple of like interesting scenes, but it, I think like a lot of the um, kind of callbacks and stuff to Lord of the Rings are more appreciated, appreciated if you watch it after Lord of the Rings, you know? So it sets up a bunch of shit for Lord of the Rings. Some of it's dumb. Like when Legolas is like, I can't go back to, to Mirkwood. And then Thranduil is like, go north and find the Dúnedain and become friends with Aragorn because he's going to be really important later on. Like, pretty ham-fisted, I'll admit. But 
it does its best. It do, you know, it does a good job. So I, I did enjoy that. But uh, I think that'll do it for The Hobbit. And I think that'll do it for this week's episode of The Going Up Cast. We had some laughs. We sang some songs. Go vote, please. For the love of God, please go vote. Um, go watch The Hobbit movies. I know there's a bunch of new stuff that just hit the screens. Like uh, Daredevil Season 3 has come out. Um, probably not going to watch it unless somebody comes back to me and goes, Dude! You gotta watch it. It's incredible. So, might watch it then. But other than that, I'm just kind of... So, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. But enjoy your week. We're getting real close to Halloween. So, I think... I haven't made any plans or anything like that. But let me just take a real quick check here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week's episode... Looks both ways conspiratorially. Leans in closer to the microphone. It's gonna be a spooky one. Yeah. I don't know how I'm gonna make it spooky, um, but we're gonna we're gonna get some spooks going on because it's the day before Halloween, so <laughs> I gotta I gotta take advantage of it. We're gonna get some spooks going. I might tell some scary stories. Who knows? Who knows? I'll pick some spooky songs. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a spooktacular time next week. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a fun creative challenge for me to figure out how to make happy things spooky. But that'll be great for next week. Listen to Harry Potter comes out tomorrow every Wednesday. And you know what? I'll see you all next week. Have a great week. Week, 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 week. I don't know how many more times I can say. Bye. Bye.